the New York Jets cancel practice on Thursday. Not a hint, not a trace of anybody outside on the field Thursday morning. Uh, Bryce Hall is activated from the COVID list. Pete Guerrero waived. They bring in Kalen Balaj, and we discuss the battle royale that is Adam Gase versus Le'Veon Bell. Sabo Radio, Thursday, August 27th, and everybody knows what the big topic is. It's the Jets canceling practice, like much of the league. They were the third team to cancel practice after the Colts and the Washington football team. And it was pretty empty this morning. No one on the field, no communication. And it was for a very good reason because they were inside. Uh, Once the players all arrived, this is around 9, practice was supposed to start at 9.20. So the players obviously got there a lot earlier. Talks began about the recent social justice issues, which you know we don't touch, we don't do politics, and we'll continue to stay away from it. Sports, the real definition behind sports is distraction. And that's how we like to keep it, and that's how we'll try to keep it. And when stuff like this pops up, we'll report the news, and that's it. No opinions, no, I know this and I'm right on this side and the person who doesn't agree with me is wrong. No, that's not what we do. We we talk Jets, that's our topic, and we stick to it. But since they canceled practice Thursday, it's a headline. Got to discuss it. They canceled practice, and as you can see here from a couple of the beat writers, they must have just gotten some info I do not have this info. These are the vets. These guys will know before anybody else. Dennis from AP, Rich Samini, Costello, ESPN, The Post. Dennis from AP, Jets began conversations starting early this morning between players, coaches, Coach Adam Gase, GM Joe Douglas, and CEO Christopher Johnson about the Jacob Blake shooting. There were robust conversations about what could be done. And what they could do to make a difference. And basically they knew early on at that point. The pra- the players were against practicing. So the organization. And Christopher Johnson has been praised by his players. For the way he handles these things. It flies in the face and contrasts with the reports about Woody Johnson. But again, they're only reports. You know, I'm not in the guessing business. I'm not going to guess whether these reports are true or not. Give me evidence. So could they be? Of course. But I'm not going to guess. But Christopher Johnson, players have always praised him. Uh, they They did what they felt was right for the players. They canceled practice. And the scheduled off day for Friday remains. So the first time, or the next time, they'll be on the field. The next chance they'll have to be on the field is Saturday. And obviously Sunday, but Saturday first. And Sunday, as you'll come to find out, Sunday is going to be a little different day if we get there for the Jets. Uh, A scrimmage type situation in which you'll come to find out. But Saturday first, that'll be the next date to circle. Uh, The NBA players, that boycott situation, 
yesterday, today, Wednesday, Thursday, news broke today that they do plan on finishing the playoffs. And hey, the Jets are having that conversation today. Canceled practice, off day tomorrow, come back Saturday. Transaction news, even though they didn't practice, there were some transactions, interestingly. And coming out of nowhere, they acquired Miami Dolphins running back Kalen Balaj for a conditional late round pick. Now, Balaj was going to be cut. He was notified yesterday that he was going to be cut. So Jets fans are all bent out of shape that Joe Douglas acquired Balaj for a late conditional round pick. Now, if he doesn't make the team, odds are Jets won't have to give up anything. It's probably a seventh, maybe a sixth round pick, depending on what happens. Maybe if Balaj finishes the season, it gets up to a sixth. I'm just throwing numbers out there uh, to give you an idea. Maybe if he makes it through eight games, it's a seventh. If he doesn't make the final, the first 53-man roster, it's probably nothing. And the moment this happened, people started speculating. Oh, that's it for Le'Veon Bell. He's getting traded. Blah, 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 blah. Making fun of Balazs, how crappy he was. It's a numbers game, folks. Josh Adams got hurt. Pete Guerrero was just signed two days ago, the Monmouth hometown hero. You could tell on Wednesday, he struggled at practice. Coaches were in his ear, trying to get him comfortable with the playbook. The moment Balaj signed, I knew that was trouble for Guerrero. And it's unfortunate. He's only been with the team two days. He came in while they cut Anthony Chiaffi, another guy who was signed, cut, signed, cut. Another local guy too, Rutgers, safety. But Balaj is that fourth running back. Uh, behind Bell, P. Ryan, and Gore. And it's just as simple as that. You know, th- don't think anything more than that. It's a numbers game at the position. You need a certain na- a certain number of guys at the position, and that's what this is. So instead of waiting to try to pick him up on waivers, which is far from a guarantee, another team could have swiped him. So to get on Joe Douglas for giving up something for a guy who was going to waivers, it's not free agency. There's an order, and I don't know what waiver pick they had, but it doesn't work that way. You can't get on Joe Douglas. They also activated Bryce Hall from the COVID-19 list. Hey, no Cam Clark. Cam Clark just came back this week, but prior to that, no Cam Clark, no Denzel Mims, no Bryce Hall. Fans want to see these rookies. And Bryce Hall, finally, activated from the COVID-19 list. We know he has an ankle injury sustained in college. And Gase mentioned how he might not be back right away coming off the list as he's dealing with that ankle injury. So we'll see how that shakes out in the coming days and next week. And like we already discussed, they cut Pete Guerrero. Whether or not another transaction comes, we'll wait and see. But still a busy day for the Jets, even though they did not practice. Adam Gase versus Le'Veon Bell. This is the semi-big story that broke after the Jets scrimmage earlier this week in which Gase pulled Bell from the scrimmage, told the media it was a hamstring issue after practice. No one blinked. No one batted an eye. And, but he also said it was for precautionary reasons. 
We saw P. Ryan tear it up, really bust out at practice. Gore play well as well. Uh, the offense wasn't that great. We'll get into that a little bit too. But, you know, it was business as usual with Gase until practice ended and Bell took to Twitter. And what he said on Twitter wasn't confusing. Quote, ain't nothing wrong with my hamstrings. As he quote tweeted an Eric Allen, NewYorkJets.com beat reporter tweet. Quote, it's tough to stay loose when you do a bunch of standing around and I'm used to going. End quote. Bill pretty much defied what Gay said. He said, no world. I'm not injured. Don't listen to my head coach. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. How does this happen? Is the question. Was the communication not there in practice? I mean, when he pulled Bell, did he hear it from a trainer that his hammies were a little sore? Did he hear it from Bell? And when he tried to pull him, Bell didn't want to go. How does this become an issue afterwards? How does the communication not there? Or did Gase pull him and Bell didn't want to go out, but Gase pulled him and Bell was angry the whole time and decided afterwards to make it more of an issue? Who knows? That's on Gase. That's on Bell. That's on both of them. But when digging deeper and thinking about the whole picture, this battle between Gase and Bell is such a meaningless situation for this Jets team. I mean, think about this. Earl Thomas in Baltimore. That's a serious issue. But guess what? It's going to be in the news for three days and be gone. Why? It's a winning organization. When you've proven you could win and you put forth a track record of winning, these situations, these squabbles appear in the news day for a day or two, three days, and then are gone. This perceived battle royale between Gase and Bell was mostly fictional or mostly behind the scenes all of last year. Remember, it didn't start until the reports came out about Gase not wanting Bell when McCagnan was fired. And again, they were reports, they were stories, they were rumors, nothing of significance, nothing of official word. We had no idea. The way Bell was used last year, fans want to get on Gase for that. Uh, You know, I don't see much wrong with it. He carried the ball 245 times in 15 games, finishing 11th in the NFL. He finished 11th in the NFL for a team that was, were they the worst rushing team in the league last year? They were, they were terrible. I, I can't remember where they ranked. They were one of the worst rushing teams. They had the second worst offensive line behind the Miami Dolphins, per all the metrics. So with the second worst offensive line, he finished 11th in attempts. That's pretty, you know, if anything, he force-fed the guy. He also finished 7th in receptions with 66 in 15 games. 5.2 targets per game. He also finished 7th in that category at running back. Fans just go nuts with the Gase usage of Bell. And it's because Bell's a huge name. He was a huge fantasy star over the last decade. These fans played with, it, played with him on Madden. He comes with a lot of flash. So if he's not putting up superstar numbers, it must be the head coach's fault. I don't think Gase is totally off the hook, but the offensive line is the main culprit. So they go through an entire year. Really no issues, no 
issues of substance where you could point to and say that's a real issue. That's real evidence to show me that these two guys hate each other. Even at the trade deadline, Bell, it, Bell, there was rumors out there that the Jets might trade Bell. Didn't happen. What did Bell do? He provided that message to Jets fans to be patient that it takes time. I need everyone to understand it takes a process to build a winning program, to build a winning organization. I am happy as hell to be a New York Jet. I'm happy to be here despite all the trade rumors and talks. I am here and I am happy to be here. But everybody has to have a little bit of patience, just a little bit of patience. If it happened overnight, it'd be a whole bunch of teams doing like snapping their fingers and just making it happen. But I understand it takes a process. I just need all the Jets fans, all the Jets supporters, my teammates and myself. I need you all to understand and just stick with us, man. Everything going to happen. This is our first year being all together. We got a first first year with our head coach, first year with our general manager, and I think Joe Douglas is doing a, a tremendous job trying to get this thing turned around. Just understand, we're going to get the ship sailing in the right direction, but I just need everybody to have some patience and just stick with us. I promise we're going to get it turned around. That was Bell, you know, delivering a perfect message near the trade deadline. While Jamal, Jamal Adams sulked, he was not happy. Bell took it like a professional and was perfect, was a perfect professional in every way last year. Not on the field. Most of it wasn't his fault. He's getting up there in age. But in terms of acting a certain way, he was perfect. This last week, this hamstring issue on social media, this was really the first crack in the armor I see with Bell not doing the right thing. And I get it. He wants to play. I get it. Gase wants to protect his guy. I get it from both angles. But you got to be on the same page. But in the end, it doesn't matter. What, you think Bell, like say Joe Douglas traded Bell today. Do you think Bell's absence or presence will make or break the Jets? If you think so, you are clearly in hibernation for the Super Bowl last February when Raheem Mostert and Damian Williams, complete unknowns, ran the ball for the two representatives in the Super Bowl. Bell won't make or break the roster. At the same time, Gase is a little different for him because he's tasked with Darnold's development, and you don't want Darnold to go, have to go to another offense in his fourth year. And coaching is important in, in football. It's the, mo- it's the sport where coaching matters the most, I think. But again, Gase. What if Gase were to leave tomorrow? Is he going to make or break the Jets? No. Not until they have a legitimate infrastructure of personnel and a track record of, of wins do issues like this really, really matter. I mean, yeah, it, it, it proves certain things with communication, and it's a nagging situation here and there. But if they're winning, if the infrastructure is there, stuff like this doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter until they can first prove they are legitimate. What we've seen at practice, uh, Wednesday, defense dominates the scrimmage. It was a scrimmage. They brought the officials in. So it's really the first scrimmage. Nothing's live. It's not like the old days. There is no live tackling yet. 
You know, they'll, they'll block live, but there's no live tackling. Uh, defense dominates. Offense looked pretty bad. I don't think they looked as bad as everyone is making it out to, to be, but it was pretty bad. And then Michael Perrine, as we said, Pirine, excuse me, as we said at the top, busted out. Darnold continues to be inconsistent. I don't know what it is with Darnold. Uh, he's got a lot of weapons out there. They're rotating the first team with receivers. Hogan is getting a lot of time with the first team. Berrios is not, interestingly, but Berrios is one of those guys where he's the slot guy behind Crowder. So Gase knows he's a professional. If he needs him to start week one, he'll start. He's one of those guys that could play on the second team all summer long, and then boom, once the roster's cut down, there he is starting alongside Crowder and Perryman week one. That's He's just one of those guys. But with Darnold, with Perryman out, with Mims out, he's got Hogan, Crowder, Jeff Smith. They're rotating guys left and right. The consistency just isn't there. The only consistency is with her, with Chris Herndon. Uh, Darnold was intercepted by Ashton Davis on Wednesday. He just wasn't good. He missed Herndon on a seam where he was wide open. It looked to be against a, a deep third in the end zone, threw it high and to the inside. Herndon went up with the left hand on the left side, left seam, and just couldn't come down with it. His, his inconsistencies are still there. Uh, don't get, don't fall into the trap of looking at stats and beat writer stats and all that stuff. That's not stats aren't important in practice. What you want to see is execution. What you want to see is guys on their game, and we're not seeing it from Darnold. The stats pretty much meaningless. We don't know the situation, the down and distance, and all that good stuff when they're running teams. Lamichael Pirine busts out. Uh, he had a 79-yard, 80-yard. I put it between 70 and 80 yards. I heard I saw someone else put it 79. Between the tackles, looked to be an inside zone, inside to mid zone that he took to the house. He also had another 30, 25 to 30-yard run down the left sideline behind Becton. McDougald, after practice Wednesday, talked about the 80-yard scamper by P. Ryan and said a player missed his gap assignment. He didn't throw the player under the bus. We don't know who it was. And there was a DB. I couldn't see exactly who it was, if it was McDougald, the single high safety, or or someone else, but P. Ryan juked the shoes out of him. His ankles are still laying at midfield in Florham Park. The DB might have went into the locker room and took a shower, but his ankles are still there at the 50-yard line. Uh, bad day for the receivers. Jeff Smith dropped a comeback route early. It was low and away on the right sideline for the offense. He dropped it. Chris Hogan caught one for like a 5-8 to eight yard play near the numbers, and he fumbled. He said a bad word afterwards. He was not happy. And Jamison Crowder was by far the best receiver. He went for a few few big plays, but Gase, after practice, wasn't happy because there were penalties. Uh, there was a, a screenplay to Gore where a legal man downfield, I think it was Connor McGovern, got called back. The ref threw the flag. Uh, that's the stuff they got to clean up. And Gase understands the date, the week one date is coming up quick, and they got to clean it up. Quote, obviously, some things showed up that we have to get fixed quickly. This was a good step for us, and without having preseason games, we can't get lulled to sleep at practice, thinking, hey, it's all good. End quote. The preseason games, uh, 
you know, they better come back with at least two next year because these teams need them. These youngsters need them. I, I, I want to see them come back with the four and just stick with the four. I think that's perfect. Four preseason, 16 regular season. But obviously we know that's not going to happen. They're, they've extended it to 17 weeks after this year. Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe keep it three in the preseason. I, I hope they really don't cut it down too much. Uh, other news and notes from practice, Cameron Clark returned. Greg Van Rotten went out with an injury. Cameron Clark and Jonathan Harrison rotated at left guard. Interestingly enough, they really like Cameron Clark and the cutting of Brian Winters showcases that. Mike White, who's been great in camp. I mean, if you're going to keep quarterbacks based on play alone, it's Donald and Mike White. That's it. But since Morgan's a mid-round rookie, it's probably going to be Darnold, Mike White, Morgan with with uh, Flacco waiting in the wings on the reserve list. It's a shame Mike White might get pushed out because he's been, he might, I mean, he's probably been the best quarterback in camp. He's been running against the twos, though. Remember, him and Fails and Morgan rotating, running against the twos and the threes, Darnold against the ones, scrimmage, the luster has come off Mike White. Gase went offensive ones versus defensive twos, defensive ones versus offensive twos, and Mike White really struggled against the defensive ones. Interestingly, James Morgan picked it up. On one sequence, he hit Jehu Chesson on a dig that brought him down to inside the five in a one-on-one situation, and then he threw a touchdown to Braxton Berrios, who did like a slant, uh, probably an option route, near the goal line, and then darted for the flag, the inside right pylon, caught it, Morgan delivered it, touchdown. So interestingly, and and considering the ones versus the twos, defensively, the defensive twos, defensive ones played great. Offensively, even the offensive ones against the defensive twos wasn't that good, wasn't that crisp. I mean, they had their moments, but it wasn't good. You did not like what you were seeing there. Injuries, Denzel Mims remains the hamstring. Brashad Perryman with the knee. Connor McDermott with the knee. Josh Han- Josh Adams with the hamstring. Pierre Desir with the hamstring. Brian Poole with the dehydration. He still has not come back. Matthias Farley with the hamstring. Zuniga with the quad. Cager with the knee. Remember, Cager has been phenomenal. Just label the, label the uh, back corner of the end zone his office. He is a phenomenal catch in traffic, catch it at the high point guy. The problem is he's always hurt. He might be made of glass. And that's probably why he didn't get drafted. But if he stays healthy, he's a hell of a weapon. Terrell Basham, ankle, Le'Veon Bell, hamstring, so Gay says, and Greg Van Rotten, oblique. Uh, this was the report after Wednesday practice. Thursday, obviously, they canceled. Tomorrow's the off day. Back Saturday. And, I mean, that's pretty much it. We'll see what happens Saturday. We'll see if any info comes over tomorrow. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Nanny has got something up about Le'Veon Bell's week one performance against the Bills last year. It's film. It's interesting. Blewett just did a, uh, let's see, he just did a Lawrence Cager. Contested Catch Monster film review, which is on YouTube. And Quincy Wilson and Chris Hogan are also coming. Frank Gore as well. 
from Blewett. So be on the lookout for that. I'll have something Marcus May coming soon. Um, go to Sabo Radio at iTunes. Rate and subscribe here on YouTube. Subscribe and hit that stupid little bell. God, it sucks having to say that. But you see everyone on YouTube say that. So you feel the pressure that to say that. Same thing with the iTunes thing. And if not there, just head to Jet Sex Factor and check out the the content, the analytics, the film, the stuff from Florham Park. Until next time. Thank you.